My name is Andy Mangold. It's time to talk about breakfast. Did you know you can sell 40% more cakes if you spin them? I've heard that somewhere. <sighs> Boy, what a good episode this one is. This is a perfect bite. This is a perfect episode of Joe Para. Here's the thing. Last time I mentioned that the first episode is a great episode, but it's maybe not where I'd start somebody. And I know you're never going to, you're never going to go out of order. So I understand. But if I had to start somebody and I really wanted to convince them that Joe Perry is a great show, I'm going to start him with the breakfast episode because it has everything you could love about this show. And also, See, who I don't like think breakfast? it has everything. I don't think it's the perfect egg bite. I think it's, it's, uh, it's missing some stuff. But what it does have in spades is charming comedy. It is, I think, one of the funnier episodes of the show. Uh, has some of the highest density of jokes uh, and is just very, very delightful. Actually, that's true. I should, I should probably not phrase it as it doesn't have everything. It doesn't have... Uh... Some of the things you're introduced to later in the show, it's more just, it's a perfect little gem. It has all the perfect jokes. More so than the last episode, I don't think you could, you couldn't add anything and you couldn't cut anything out. It's the perfect 11 minutes. Yeah, which I think, I think is true of the first episode too. I think it's one of the hallmarks of the show we'll probably keep coming back to is that it is so carefully constructed, just like a delicate house of cards every little moment and there's so many little moments in this episode which just bring me so much to light well here's right. a lot here like I, I tried to so obviously before we start the show we go and watch the episode again yeah of course so i was thinking what, what i'll do is i'll take notes about the things i want to talk about so did i and here's what i realized i think i just read a transcript pretty much <laughs> i was like okay well i'll just write this part and then i'll just write this next part and just Oh, I should, I should, I'm just transcribing the entire episode. There's nothing, there's nothing I can point out more so than any other piece. From the moment Apollo, the host at the restaurant says, okay, guy, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this episode is just bangers all the way through. Every line, every line is a pure gem. So obviously, so it opens with all the breakfast possibilities. This show is about Joe trying to pick out what he wants to have for breakfast. So we have options. We have pancakes, we have eggs, bacon, melon, muffin, coffee, waffles, sausage, toast, uh nanners on cereal that's a great yep you know you know your classic nanners basic on breakfast stuff nanners on cereal what are you gonna have for breakfast andy oh i mean i love sweets this is a thing that uh it's, it's a little bit of a point of shame for me because i feel like as an adult you're not supposed to crave sweets above all else all the time and i'm also an adult that takes pride in uh you know cooking good food and like uh, i think having good taste in food so it's a little bit shameful for me that i just basically always want waffles or pancakes pretty much all the time Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm actually more of a, I might go with a 2-2 two, two and 2 special. I kind of like, I kind of like having the variety. Um, I probably go yeah, more on the savory side. For me, it's like, why, why have eggs when I can have more waffles, you know? Eh, I kind of, I kind of like the eggs and the sausage and the toast and all the savory bits of breakfast. And I'm not going to always go for pancakes, but look, this, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that there's diversity in the options and everybody gets to choose. Not everyone has to have the thing that I like. And this episode has the same pattern we observed in episode one, where the thing the episode is about, the MacGuffin, which in this case is Joe trying to decide what to have for breakfast, mirrors the actual substance of the episode, which is like showing 
the diversity of the cast of this show. And it's showing like these different approaches to life, these different approaches to breakfast. And it's like kind of a little tour of the restaurant where he walks around kind of introducing himself to all these different people. And you see people in different walks of life. So again, we have this like parallel structure between the thing that the MacGuffin is and the thing the actual episode is about, the real substance of it. I do also like there's there's like a few moments where actually there's one in particular where he's at the dessert case where he starts to crack a little bit and you realize we did a little in the last episode. We we're like, oh, this character has a little bit of depth. He's like he's trying to explain his thing and then he gets distracted and goes and then there's the gray areas of life. You're like, oh, he's thinking he's thinking about something deeper, even though we're kind of we're supposed to be talking about breakfast here. And I feel like this comes up later, uh, especially as Joe Firestone comes into it. But I uh, I'll leave that at that. Well, this is this is the thing about this show is that uh, I I'm, I was a little uneasy during the first few episodes of watching the show. I mean, I I love this episode. I really like the first episode. Like I said, the show is uh, it definitely checks a lot of boxes for me. But it does have this like subtle darkness to it, and uh, I have not finished the whole series. I have not finished episode or season two yet. Uh, and part of me, because I don't like sad or super dramatic or like thrilling i don't really like to be challenged by my television (laughs) watching (laughs) um which is the thing that i'm also a little bit ashamed of you know i feel like i should want to be challenged by my by the art that i experience well i also think that most television you've watched has kind of trained you to expect that like they're gonna throw in that joe is a serial killer or something well so here's the here's the thing is that so many shows do this like switcheroo where they set up this like you know nice uh, you know relaxing kind of environment and then they like pull the rug out from under you because it is very affecting to like lull you into a sense of security and then like introduce some like jarring either like crushingly sad or really dark thing that just all of a sudden happens and uh, I hate that I think it's the cheapest shittiest <laughs> trick in tele- in the television world and the reason I hate it is because it works on me and I don't yeah. want to be emotionally manipulated and it's just like so there's a little bit like him when he's looking at the the spinning dessert tray right he loses his train of thought and starts talking about how life is you know kind of ambiguous and then Connor's character after constructing the manic egg bite the manic perfect egg bite and then uh, breaking the yolk trying to get it all in his mouth like you know is just talking just talks about how horrible his life is and how much he needs a win and it's like <laughs> yeah. that is a funny moment but it's also a very profoundly sad moment and the show threads this needle in a way that has me a little bit uneasy that something horrible is still going to happen. Well, I think, I, I, I will say, I don't think, like, I don't think the show pulls any tricks that, like, you know, I feel like uh, in, the, in a horror movie, it's like a jump scare where it's like, well, yeah, you scared me, but it was kind of cheap. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the show ever does something like that, where, sure, there are sad moments, but um, I feel like I almost had to say this to Susanna, like, no, 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 this, Joe's just a normal, per- like, it's a, it's a normal show. Joe's a normal person. That's actually kind of the fun of it. It's not like you don't have to get like five episodes in and be like, oh, he actually was a serial killer the whole time or some um, some weird turn that would kind of make the first few episodes seem totally disingenuous. So I feel like that's a fair thing to say up front, right? Well, that's a little bit of a spoiler, I feel like. Like I said, I haven't finished the second season, so uh, I, I, I'm taking it at this point that at no point will, uh, you know, somebody all of a sudden just be hit by a car and murdered uh, or something like that, you know. But... um. But yeah, that's definitely like the show has a lot of depth. This this episode is primarily just uh, absurd little jokes, <laughs> you know, just a string of absurd little jokes. Uh, but then also these moments of like kind of 
profundity, which is unexpected, I think, uh, if you're not familiar with the show, which on episode two, most people aren't. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I also say, I have to say the, uh, the perfect egg bite is maybe one of my favorite moments in TV. Like, I come back to that all the time. <laughs> Anytime something sad happens, which is a lot recently, I think of that line, I need a win. I can't, I can't let that go. It's such a perfect, the perfect egg bite is a perfect moment. I also, I also found out that Connor O'Malley really does that, which I like a lot. Wait, really? That's like a yeah, real like thing? Yeah, like apparently this was inserted into the episode because that's a thing he really does in real life. So Th- That moment had some... You, know. uh, I, you and I have talked about Look Around You, one of my, yes. uh, one of my favorite web series, TV shows uh, from the... Uh, actually, I don't even know where it's from. I was going to say the BBC, but now I'm thinking it was just a web thing maybe that was made to look like it was from the BBC. Did it, did it air in Adult Swim or does it just have that vibe? Oh, that I have no I idea. That. I have no clue. But uh, for yeah. those unfamiliar, Look Around You is this like parody, uh, like instructional science show, like the kind of TV you might watch in like grade school uh, when the teacher was feeling lazy and didn't want to teach. They just throw a video on about hydrogen or whatever. Um, but it's, uh, this absurd parody and the tone is very deadpan. Like the tone does not deviate from the tone of an actual educational thing, but what they're doing is, uh, completely absurd. And that is what the, the whole perfect egg bite scene, uh, kind of said to me because he's like, yeah, sure. I think lots of people are familiar with the idea of trying to construct the perfect bite, but whose perfect bite has butter, grape jelly, ketchup, purple jelly, purple jelly. (laughs) The purple stuff. <laughs> oh, good! I killed Andy. Hash browns, <laughs> an egg. Uh, like it's just—it's too many things. It's this combination of uh, sweet and savory, and it's just—it seems like a total mess. It seems really gross, frankly. Uh, so it's very—it's a little bit surprising to me to learn that that's how Connor actually likes to eat his eggs. But then again, maybe it's in keeping with his character. Yeah, maybe maybe his character is not so much a character, and this is yeah. There's really a part of it. I mean, it's a perfect Mike Melsky egg, egg bite. That makes total sense to me. I also love how his uh, his kids have heard this so many times they can repeat yeah. it verbatim. Yeah. But his wife respects it and treats it seriously. It's I think she says, hey, come on, it's serious to him. It's serious to him, right. Because <laughs> the kids are laughing at him. Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like I noticed on a second watch that uh, if you watch that scene, specifically at the end after he fails with the egg bite and is screaming into his plate with egg yolk running out of his mouth... Uh, I think Sue Melsky, I don't know the actress's name, uh, is very close to cracking. Like, you can see, like, the corners of her mouth curled up, and she's barely holding it together when she's supposed to play this role of, like, concerned mother. And the kids are I mean, I can't imagine, because at the end she has to say, don't do this, as he's, like, having a meltdown. I... I can't imagine having to actually pull that off in real life with Connor O'Malley screaming and doing his "ar" thing. Yeah, and the kids are laughing presumably because you couldn't get them to not laugh because the child yeah. actors wouldn't be able to hold it together. Uh, that is that might be the the thing about having real the the thing about many of the people in this episode is uh, I've I've heard there are real people in the town, um, so there's a weird mix, mix of comedians and just regular people that he found in Michigan. Um, so I think some of that you just have to roll with. Yeah. Oh, perfect egg bite. Did it make you want to try the perfect egg bite? No, I, I just explained how gross I thought it was. I mean, I like, try it. I obviously have, you know, specific bites during for specific dishes that I'm always trying to construct. But that particular bite was was truly disgusting. I thought uh, too much too much going on there. Um, let's talk breakfast crew. This this feels like an important moment to me. Were you familiar with the breakfast crew? Do you have breakfast crews? Uh, you know, I 
obviously the terminology, I shouldn't say obviously, no, the terminology is new to me as of this episode, but there have definitely been times in my life where hindsight 2020, I did in fact have a breakfast crew, uh, and I oh. did, not, did not know the name for it. Um, did it was it constructed in the same way? Did you have like certain personalities that really balance it out to the point where you can't, maybe you can't invite anyone else to sit with you? <laughs> you definitely can't invite Joe. No. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Please don't come over here. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> please don't come over. <laughs> She's like four feet away from him. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> um, that's also kind of a profoundly sad moment in a way. Uh, like, like I think the Joe's seeming loneliness, which he appears to handle with a plum for the most part, uh, mm-hmm. is one of the the saddest like undertones in the show that kind of like follows you through. And that's a good example of like Joe's best friend Gene, who he has called his best friend, uh, does not want him in his breakfast crew, and Gene's wife uh, literally doesn't want Joe to come over to speak to her <laughs> or her friends. Uh, so that's a thing. Um, anyway. I, uh, senior year of high school, I, um, we, some friends and I decided that we were going to, we figured out that we could be late to school a certain number of times before it started counting as absences and therefore actually causing a problem for us, like graduating on time. So yeah. we figured out that if we were late, like, I don't know, maybe it's like 24 or like 30 times or whatever. They don't count it towards anything. It's just that like 25th or 26th one, they actually start counting. So we, of course, decided we would take full advantage of this and, uh, towards the end of senior year, we uh, just started coming late to school every morning, and there was like four of us that would go every morning to a bagel place, Bagel Bistro in Westchester, PA, and we would get bagels, and then we would go back to my buddy's house and play video games for an hour and a half and eat bagels and then go to school. That was probably my first ever uh, formal breakfast crew. What was your name? Uh, my name was is, uh, Aunt Andy. Andy was my name. <laughs> you didn't have a name for your breakfast crew? No, we didn't have a name for the breakfast. Like I said, this was I, this is hindsight. I, at the time, it just felt like, uh, you know, some uh, some light rebellion against the against the school, but uh, no, it clearly was a breakfast crew. And then uh, later in life, uh, this is uh, post graduation from college, you know, working a job, blah blah blah. We um we had a flexible work schedule, and so uh, a bunch of my coworkers and I would join up with a bunch of other uh, software developers and have a breakfast every Thursday at a restaurant here in Baltimore. And we had we had a name for that. It was called Nerd Breakfast. We would do Nerd Breakfast every Thursday. Wow, so you really did have a crew. even Yeah, totally. And these are very fond memories of uh, parts of my life. And I got to say, this episode was very, paints a very heartwarming picture of daily rituals. Uh, And rituals, I think it's very important to me. And uh, the idea of a little diner in a small town where everybody knows everybody else. And when you go in, you know, you get to do a little tour inside everybody. And everybody's there kind of like, living their own separate lives but there's this like overlap in the venn diagram and it's this communal place where everyone goes to get breakfast uh that is that's a powerful shit for me that's the kind of thing it makes you want to just move to the middle of nowhere where you can learn everybody's name you know yeah i I get the same thing and i've you know i've lived in cities for most of my adult life so i certainly haven't had that but uh you know it just feels so warm and cozy when you watch the episode and you think oh yeah i can't i don't know I, i feel like uh a lot of TV makes fun of this kind of thing or this kind of culture. And uh, this is not, uh, it doesn't make it a joke. No. It doesn't make it. Not at all. I don't know. I feel like there's also the pat, the patronizing version of this. This is just an appreciation of it. And uh, I, I also appreciate it when I see it. I kind of want that. Do you, uh, I don't know, actually, we haven't. I mean, you and I are, are friends that have been friends for a very long time, but we don't have very little insight, I think, into each other's like day-to-day lives. Do you go to restaurants frequently? 
Uh, I mean, obviously, right now, no one does. <laughs> back, I mean, let's back, let's back up a little bit. Just time. Let's capsule. go back a few a few months ago. <laughs> yes. Um, time capsule. Yeah, right yeah I'd say we'd go. I don't know. Two or three times a week. I think that's pretty frequent. I'm not not every day, but uh, a couple times during the week, and maybe uh, maybe a breakfast on the weekend. Yeah, yeah that's probably, how... probably way more than you. I think you're. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty minimal on going out, right? Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, again, right now, no one's going anywhere. Uh, you know, for the people listening 15 years from now, because this has been added to the Library of Congress as one of the world's finest podcast episodes mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, just a monument to, to the time, <laughs> uh, we're in the middle of the coronavirus uh, quarantine and social isolation. So I uh, haven't been out in a long time. But even prior to that, I would say that we probably go out to restaurants like once a month, maybe? Okay. Uh Maybe if you include like a happy hour at a bar, maybe it's like two or three times a month, but it's pretty infrequent for us, which is partially because um, I, I really like to cook. I mean, cooking is something I really enjoy. Um, and also we just kind of like, I think both Hillary and I have like a guilt about spending money we could otherwise be not spending. It's like, we got perfectly good food at home. Why are we going to go somewhere? Um, but uh, I was listening to another podcast recently and the guest was describing how their life had changed under uh, sort of coronavirus lockdown. And they said that they basically went out to eat pretty much every night. This is an actor. And he was like, yeah, like I go take my shoots all day or I go do, uh, you know, some writing or I do some uh, auditions and then I meet up with a friend for dinner. And uh, the way he described it, it was just like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how great would it be to like have that kind of social interaction every night and to never have to worry about like cooking or do anything. I mean, obviously like it costs a lot of money, but like seeing this episode, this idea of going out to breakfast every weekend, uh, at like a, you know, cheap diner somewhere, uh, just, I mean, maybe it's just that we're all stuck inside and can't go to any restaurants, but it really made me just want that so bad. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way before any of this happened. I was just watching the episode for the first time. So, I think it just I think it just paints a picture of this really lovely environment that uh you know maybe you didn't even know you wanted until you saw it. Yeah. Mm. Big pining, big pining in this episode for me. I know. You got egg bites, you got breakfast crews, you got spinning desserts, you got pancakes. Is there anything we're missing? I I I, I can't let go before we get through breakfast crews. Um I'm I love the line. I did data entry for 45 years, now I'm retired and my hobby is sitting down. That also just <laughs> That just lives with me now. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost feels uh, like just going through and naming our favorite lines, we would just be recounting the entire episode because there's just so many good ones. Uh, like, again, I feel like I just want to read the script and try and figure out if I could remove a single word anywhere without detracting from the episode or making it less funny. Uh, and I don't think it'd be possible. It's just, it's so tight. Yeah, looks good enough to eat. We just, it could just be like a, this show could just be uh like however, however people treated Borat ten years ago, we could just repeat lines from movies, and that could be our culture, you know. Man, did you? Is Borat is it looms large in my memory because I was the perfect age and the perfect immaturity to find that to be the funniest movie I had ever seen when it came out, uh, which is now a point of of great shame for me again. But uh, did, was that was that the case for you too? Did they hit you at just the right time in your life? It did. It did. And I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. It just popped in my head as like a thing everyone quoted all the time around me um, to the point where I think it's become a meme of a movie you shouldn't quote. Now I don't oh, even know. Sure. What is that movie even? What do you do with that movie? 
Is that the most horrific thing on the planet, or is it still funny? I don't know. I haven't I, thought about that in a really long time. I can't imagine it stands up, but uh, you know, my experience watching that movie was like, I think I went with like 12 friends. Like So many people went, all went to the movie theater at once, and also it was like maybe opening night or like the night after opening night. We had seen a little bit of the Ali G show, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise had basically no context for what we were going to see. And that combination of like you're there with 11 other high school boys, you don't really know what it's going to be, uh, and you're currently 15 years old or whatever we were, uh, <laughs> just was the perfect the perfect storm. And I was literally rolling in like the dirty, sticky aisles of the movie theater because of how hard it was making me laugh. The big naked fight, I was just sobbing. I like couldn't breathe. Uh, which, you know, I don't think I would find that movie very funny now. I mean, I still like that. Uh, I still think it's kind of a little bit brilliant. Like the whole idea that it's just going to be somebody who's going to travel around and, uh, you know, draw out the worst in all of middle America by uh, basically inviting racial stereotypes and, uh, and other kind of like hateful things just to paint a portrait of what America actually is. There's something interesting about that, but it certainly was not done with, uh, with a great, with great care. It was, you know, kind of, kind of reckless. Matt, uh, I gotta know, uh, who is in your dream breakfast crew? Oh, wow. I get to pick anyone in the whole world, huh? Yeah. I just want to know, and if you want, you know, I, I kind of prepared a little bit for this, so if you want, I can, uh, I can give you my dream breakfast crew first while you think about yours. I'm gonna let you go first because I hadn't prepared for this, so you go, and then I'll, I'll kind of, re- I'll think, I'll think on it a little bit, and I'll come back to you. Okay, so the first one I think you're gonna share with me, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely want Nick and Mitch from the Doughboys in my dream breakfast crew. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. They're gonna just like sort of together take up the role of the uh, the ball buster, right? They're gonna be there to to make fun of each other, make fun of everybody, really lighten the mood. Uh, some yep. little like playful kidding is very important in a breakfast crew. So, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, brains of the breakfast crew. I'm inviting Jane Jacobs, the author of uh, the Life and Death of Great American Cities, Death and Life of Great mm-hmm. American Cities. Uh, great book. I uh, always wanted to talk to Jane Jacobs. She seems like she'd be fun, uh, sort of right up my alley. I'm also just going to go ahead and invite Karl Marx, get him in the breakfast crew. Um, wow. Yeah. That could be, I mean, that could go either way. That could be a nice balance or it could be a real bummer. It could really bring down the breakfast crew. Are you sure about this? I mean, I just, I really want to see Nick and Mitch talking to Karl Marx. <laughs> like, okay, sure. That just seems like a, like a fun, a fun energy for everybody. Uh, and last person I invited to the breakfast crew uh, is going to be Maria Blasucci. Do you know Maria Blasucci? I don't. No, tell me about comedian this. podcaster. I should look up one of her. Her podcast is uh, the big one she does with Amanda Lund. Um, you might have. You might be familiar with Pistol Shrimp Radio. She's been on episodes of Spontaneous Nation. Uh, I really appreciate Maria Blasucci's kind of dry sense of humor. Uh, and I also think she's going to have a lot of food opinions. I want her. I want her in the breakfast crew too. So uh, oh, that's, yeah, that's my that's way. my dream crew. That's a good way of handling it. You want uh, you want someone who can offer up some tips on what you're about to order, maybe pointing yeah. in the right direction. Oh yeah, you know, let's get let's get like a real good food person here too. Who are we gonna invite for that? Like, uh, um, like a Alice Waters probably, probably like a Alice Waters. Uh, we, we can get her in there. That'd be good. Famous chef Alice Waters. Mm. This is making me realize the only people I can think of are comedians. I have no <laughs> reference points for anybody else in the entire world. All right, well, so. Matt, here, Matt. I'll do your dream breakfast crew for you. Ready? For first, you're gonna take Nick and Mitch from me. You're gonna say good draft, good good pick, Andy. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. I'm gonna uh, if this were a fantasy draft and you picked them before me, I'd slam the table and yes. scream, "I need a win." You would leave. How would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <Need a win. laughs> yeah. uh, your next pick, you're definitely inviting Tom Brady. You sick sports freak. You're that, gonna have honestly, him your dream when you said this, crew. that was the first thing that popped in my brain. Of course, it I don't was. Know. 
I don't know that he's necessarily going to make for the best conversation, but I mean, you do get to point to Tom Brady at your table and say like, well, we do have the greatest quarterback of all time over here. It's going to be fun when you all order pancakes and stuff and he's over there eating just like (laughs) steel cut oats and, uh, you know, raw kale dust, kale powder with uh, like, you know, bone marrow or something. Is kale powder inflammatory? You don't know. You got to be, yeah, that might even be too much. You got to be careful. Hey, now we're, we're talking conspiracies here. Have you thought about the sort of Tom Brady options with with regards to conspiracies i feel like he's a very uh, good vector for a conspiracy theory oh what, what I, tell, tell me what your angle you're going because i could, i've heard a lot of just general conspiracies about tom brady and the patriots but do you have no no in not mind? about him i think oh, tom okay. brady uh is a liable to believe a conspiracy theory frankly oh, yeah. I, I, I think he is just the right combination of i i'm not gonna say the man is dumb because obviously he's like like you said most brilliant quarterback of all time. Uh, but I think he is out of touch, dramatically out of touch because of how much he cares about football and the fact that he's a bazillionaire. Uh, those, sure. those two things, I think, put you out of touch with reality in ways that I are hard to I think if you spend your entire life doing one thing and not other things, you might, like, does Tom mm. Brady know what bread costs? I don't think so. Just remember, gonna need Kanye West in my breakfast crew now that now that we're wow. talking about people that are out of touch. Yeah. Uh, Kanye and Karl Marx just, just you know, cutting it up. Jane Jacobs in there. This is a great game. Anyway, um, I think he's just out of touch enough, and also he's prominent enough that you just got to get in his head. You got to figure out some way to like weasel your way into his social media feeds or his, uh, you know, his little filter bubble, and get him to believe something. And then he's also prominent of a figure enough that he would, you know, tweet it out or whatever, or you know, you're mention kind it of just hand. talking about his diet book. Like I think, I think maybe this is just a description of his diet book. It could be a conspiracy. Maybe know that's a grand conspiracy. Somebody is this on science him. or is it just it worked for him? And then of course it's going to sell a million copies because look at how it worked for him. You know what I'm saying? Is Tom Brady the Elon Musk of football? Ooh, he could be actually. Because I mean, Elon Musk is certainly certainly very successful. He's accomplished. He has some things that worked for him. Also has some maybe kind of nutty things that we don't need to pay attention to. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. maybe Matt <laughs> could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the not eating strawberries thing is real or not. I don't know. Could be, could be science. Could be just a thing that worked for him, and it doesn't really matter. You can eat strawberries if you want to. But I guess you just don't want him to t- take strawberries off of your pancakes. That would be. You don't want him to like you know enforce his diet on your breakfast crew. That could be tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised you left John Mulaney out of my breakfast crew. Is he going to be there? Oh, I wasn't done. Yeah, John Mulaney's okay. my breakfast crew. Guy. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> I was a little bit worried because I, I uh, you know, I, I'll share my nanners on cereal with, with John Mulaney. I mean, you could do your breakfast crew if you want. My, honestly, I just thought of Doughboy's guests. I was just like, I want John Hodgman to be there. I want Paul Rust to be there. Obviously, Nick and Mitch are going to be there. Uh, that's, that's really all it is. I just want people from the Doughboys to be in my breakfast crew. It's not really well balanced, but it is funny. Yeah, I mean you're gonna laugh. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna squirt some chocolate milk out your nose. <clears throat> My values are obvious. Did you I'll catch that. that at the end of this episode when Joe is finishing his order, he orders a warm can of Sprite to go with his? If pancakes? you don't think I have a note in all caps and bold that says <laughs> a warm can of Sprite, you don't know me. <laughs> I sure did notice that. That's the kind of like very specific detail that I feel like is rooted in something. They didn't sit around to like comedy writing table and say like what's the funniest beverage he could possibly have like somebody involved in this project likes to drink warm sprite for breakfast i think is my theory oh i think i think that's how a lot of these details come in obviously we know that about the perfect bite uh i think maybe later when we get into some gardening episodes i think maybe these are really real things that excite joe para 
I think a warm can of Sprite is maybe Joe Pear's actual order or someone on the crew. Not the breakfast crew, the, the television crew. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I still have a, uh, I still have a, I still don't understand, I still don't know where the line uh, ends between the character and the actual man Joe Pear. I have not yet looked at any of those interviews or sort of anything else outside of the TV show, so I don't know uh, how much of it is fiction and how much of it is just uh, this this guy playing playing to his strengths. I choose to believe that there's very little fiction here. Okay. Besides the fact that he's not actually from Michigan. Otherwise, I'm choosing to believe that uh, this is all very genuine. I, uh, I had an idea, Matt. I think we should rate each episode. Uh, this seems like a thing that would be valuable as we kind of go on. You know, we're going to get to the end and kind of sum up our feelings about the episode. Um, maybe this one could be, uh, you know, how many uh, how many egg bites out of 10 are you going to give this episode? Oh, I mean... This is definitely one of my favorite episodes to the point where I feel like I can't even really analyze it. I can just tell you what I love about it. I'm just going to tell you lines that I enjoy. And we're going to call it a day. I think I have to give this 10 out of 10 egg bites knowing that I might give other things 10 out of 10. That doesn't mean it's exclusive, but I think I have to give this 10 out of 10 egg bites. And ju- just for the canon, for those that are going to be keeping track of the wiki at home or whatever, what are you going to give the first episode uh, of, you know, how, how many uh, Iron Nuggets out of 10 Iron Nuggets are you going to give episode one? I think my gut says 6.5 Iron Nuggets. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go 6.5 Iron Nuggets out of 10 Iron Nuggets for the first episode. All right. My score is uh, first episode, I'm going to say 8 out of 10 Iron Nuggets for, for S1E1. Um, I actually okay. don't share your position. I think the first episode is a better introduction to the show, though I totally understand why you like this episode more. Uh, but I, I don't think it would be wise for people to start here without the sort of context of episode one. Partially because I think if you were to start here, it would overpromise a little bit on the straight comedy. This episode is yeah. funnier than most episodes. Uh, it is it's very, true. The jokes per minute are very high. It is not episode. the funniest episode, which I'm sure we will get to, but it is one of the much funnier episodes. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't want to set the bar so high if I was uh, if I was the showrunner making this show. I want to sort of start with episode one like they did. Um, this episode, I'm going to give nine and a half out of ten perfect egg bites. Uh, yeah. It is, I think it is basically an unimpeachable episode of television. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, but I think you got to do something really special to get the to get the ten out of ten for me. And uh, maybe this isn't quite there. It also, okay. just feels bad to give it up, you know, on episode two. I know, uh, but there's gonna be there will be episodes where maybe I'm gonna give them a, give them an eleven. I'm oh, gonna that's gonna old. happen. All right. Well, I'm gonna stick Could to happen. the I'm gonna stick to the to the score rigorously, and so I'm gonna leave myself a little room here because uh, I've not seen them all yet. Maybe one will blow me away that will need to go to ten out of ten. Uh, Nine point five for me. Nine point five okay. per, perfect egg bites, and that the half egg bite you're gonna break the yolk, and Connor's gonna get very angry. If he had actually succeeded in the egg bite, would you give it? Would you give it the full ten? I think it's very important that he failed that egg bite. I think it is pretty important. It's all, there's something so funny about that, too, because he's describing it, and he's like, you have to get the whole yolk in your mouth, and you're like, did I just understand correctly that he's trying to get basically this entire piece of toast with the whole egg at once in his mouth? That sounds horrible. Uh, and it does. And, also, you have to remember, if you do that, there's no yolk for the remainder of the, of the, right. the sandwich he's constructed. It makes no sense. Like, it truly is about the bite. It's not about the whole. It's about the bite. It's, it's a performance. It is not a normal way to it's eat It's not food. very it's, forward thinking. It's not, it's not a long-term plan for breakfast. Yes. And it's which not, I think uh, is a perfect way to, to optimize the eating. It's trying to optimize no. this performative aspect of, like, look at me gulp down a whole egg yolk. I wouldn't want to pop a whole egg yolk in my mouth, I don't think. I, I, I do think the, 
the joy of an egg yolk is actually biting in and getting the run. So I, I think Connor might be a little off here, but uh, you know, we know that already. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you need to say about this episode? No, it's a beautiful episode. I'm so happy we got to talk about breakfast. Honestly, I I wasn't planning on tweeting until we got to the breakfast episode. Once this is edited and up, then I feel comfortable telling the world that there's a show called Matt and Andy Talk to You About Joe Parra Talks With You. It's funny. You said something uh, when we were talking in the early days to the effect of like, oh, the second episode is like where it really gets good. That's the one that like, you know, is really important. And when you said that, I had already seen most of the show and I misremember what the second episode was. And I thought that episode three was the second episode. So this next episode was the one I thought you were saying was really important to the sort of arc of the show and people's understanding of it. Uh, And I think we'll have a very interesting conversation next week about that. I'm excited. I'm I'm more and more realizing that I just just like a certain thing. My breakfast crew will tell you this. My love of this episode will tell you this. My values really are just joke-based. Yes. I mean, we, we both love comedy. This is this is a known fact. And I, I, you know, I'm looking at the episode list right now, and I think you can make the case that uh, one episode is v- much funnier than this episode, but the other ones, uh, yeah, I think this one's, you know, really up there. It gives every other episode a run for its money. And I appreciate a good ball busting. There's not a lot of episodes where you get a good ball busting. Yeah, that is one of your favorite things. Mm-hmm. I love it. Now, why did he say that uh, Joe seemed Amish? Just because he's so plain and quiet? I think it's just because he's, yeah, he's very, uh, he's soft-spoken. He's reserved. And, I mean, let's be honest, he looks a little Amish. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? <laughs> he looks a little Amish. Uh, just looks like the kind of guy that would be, uh, you know, scooting along in a little horse and buggy. He would fit into a buggy. Like, if you saw him in a buggy, Physically, you'd be like, that yes. makes sense. That makes sense. There's some people, if you saw him in a buggy, you'd be like, I don't, I don't get this at all. You wouldn't question Joe Perrin a buggy. I indeed would not. <laughs> 